You probably know that this summer we're in a series of messages called Between the Fires, and we're talking about how to keep the fire of your faith burning all your life. And if you've been here, you know that we actually gave simple steps about this. Number one, be sure you are saved. Number two, consecrate yourself to God. Number three, when your batteries run down, charge them up. Consecrate yourself to God over and over again. Plan seasonal renewals of consecration. Number four, observe weekly reminders of eternal things. Go to church. Thank you for being in church today. You're on your way to having a lifelong fire of faith. So in my message today, I will show you the next step in building a fire of faith that will never go out. In, years ago, we lived in Ohio. We were trying to start a church, and Lois and I did everything we could to make money to feed our family and pay the rent and pay for the, uh, the oil uh, for the furnace. I packed UPS delivery trucks some. That was really hard work. Me and the boys got together, and we would assemble and deliver and assemble swing sets for privileged kids in rich neighborhoods. That was part of our job. The best side hustle that I had was probably with nationwide insurance. And I had to drive to Columbus three days a week to take insurance claims. And I developed a daily routine. I would get up early enough so that I could spend a little time reading the Proverbs of the day and the Psalms of the day and a chapter of the Old Testament and a chapter of the New Testament. And I would have time to write in my journal. And then I would groom and get in my old rattly Volvo, and I would pull the car around in front of the house and stop, and I would look back at the house, and I would pray for the family, and then I would drive down Bryant Road across the bridge out on to, through Chesterville out on to the main route where there was a marathon station where I got gas every day because my Volvo had a pinhole leak in the gas station, so you had to buy gas every day, a quarter of a tank. It was enough to get you a free cup of coffee. It was bad coffee. It was burnt coffee, but it was liquid. It was warm, smelled like coffee. So I got that cup of coffee, and I nursed that bad coffee on the way. Usually I would catch up with Bob Bevins. He left before I did and drove slower. He was a Christian friend, and I would wave, and he would wave back, and there was that kind of wordless fellowship with me and Bob. And then I would pray aloud for things, usually that were worrying me and that were bothering me, and then when I was all out of praying, I would turn on the Christian radio and I would listen to the Christian radio to encourage me while the warm air poured out from underneath of the dash. I was driving through that part of the country not too long ago and I passed that marathon station and I found myself weeping. Of course, I do weep easily. <laughs> but I thought there was something sacred about that routine the things that you go through, even if you're not a highly disciplined person, can become sacred routines if you have a God awareness in your heart. And that is what I want to talk about today. What I'm going to suggest today, some would call daily disciplines. And the way some people are wired, that works really well for them to think in terms of, I need to do this. I need to do this, I need to do this. And if you're that way, congratulations. I'm not. The best way to get me to not want to do something is to tell me I have to do it. I'm a spontaneous type. 
I like to indulge myself. And, of course, that's very dangerous. So I look at those daily disciplines as daily indulgences of the heart. That's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. When I was a boy, I went to a revival service in South Bend, Indiana, and I knew that I needed something more than I had. I was a Christian, a young Christian, and I'd been saved when I was a little boy, but my mom would regularly, you know, when she was disciplining me, my dad, when they were disciplining me, they would point out things that, that I needed growth in. I was very conscious that I needed continual growth, and so when they gave the invitation at the service, I went forward, and the, the pastor interviewed me and determined that I understood the gospel in a childlike way. And so he said, you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord. That's like a seasonal renewal of consecration. And he was right. I said, okay. Then he said, and I want you to go back there and talk to that man in the wheelchair. And the guy in the wheelchair had a huge Bible. And he said to me, if you want to grow, there are three things you should do every day. I've, I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. He said, you should read your Bible every day. You should pray every day. And he said, you should witness every day. And the man in the wheelchair said, if you pray, if you read your Bible every day, if you pray every day, if you witness every day, you'll just keep growing. But when you stop reading your Bible every day, praying every day, witnessing every day, you'll stop growing. Now, I have been to seminars. I have been to college. I have been to sem seminary. I have 10,000 books, but nobody has ever given me any better straightforward advice than advice in my life than just every day listen to God. Every day talk to God. Every day let somebody know that you're a Christian. Now you just heard my entire message, but I'm going to embellish it a bit. <laughs> All right? You did. You really did. Take your Bible and look at Psalm 1. Christina, thank you for reading this beautiful psalm. Listen carefully to a piece of this. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of the sinners or sits in the seat of the scoffers. Catch this. His delight. It doesn't say duty, though that may be true. It does say his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's, a word, that's the word, the Bible. His delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. Get it? His delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. Lots of people say, I'm a Christian. I go to church occasionally. But there really should be a daily thing. There should be a daily component to this following Jesus, of course. And, and this is one of the many places in the Bible. And it's saying, the one who's blessed is the one who meditates on the law day and night. And for the warning, it says, of course, in verses 4 and 5, the wicked are not so. And they're like the chaff the wind drives away. And therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. One of the things that's true about the righteous is his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. My son Chuck went off to summer camp. Oh, representing Camp Fairwood up in the north woods of Wisconsin, where I was this week. I can't button my jacket this week. Let me explain that to you. <laughs> I've been really cutting down and doing great. And then this week, I went in on Monday night, and they have round tables, and they said, all of our meals are family style, all you can eat, three a day. And I'm like, I will lose weight next week. 
so I didn't really. But wow, I was up at Camp Fairwood. It's, it's so cool to see around the world what God's people are doing and how well they're doing it and reaching people. Same as this little camp up there. Next week I go to Camp Barakal. Then you have me to yourself for a while. But um, we appreciate your prayers about that. But Chuck went off to camp when he was a boy, and they said to him at camp over and over again, take the 30-day challenge, take the 30-day challenge, take the 30-day challenge. He came home and said, I'm going to take the 30-day challenge. Kids would go to the fire. Do you remember this, Hopi? They would go up to the fire. They would say, I'm going to take the 30-day challenge. And it was a good thing. They would say, read your Bible for 30 days in a row. And if Chuck, Chuck's a pastor, he's going to be, he's preaching right now uh, up in Lansing. He took the 30-day challenge. I saw him in his room, over in his room, every day, in the Bible, took the 30-day challenge. It changed his life. And I think this is what we're talking about. It's just really super simple. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17, it says this. You've heard this. From childhood, or you know, you could say from Awana. I always get Awana in every sermon now. Have you noticed that? From, from, from Sunday school, from childhood, you have known the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Because all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for a correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, the person of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. I heard an old pastor say, teaching, reproof, correction, training, Teaching is what to believe. Reproof is what not to believe. Correction is what, how not to behave. Training is how to behave. You have it all when you have the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 is a favorite of mine. When I challenge people about getting in the Word because it has the ability to actually spiritually transform you. And, and this is what 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Listen, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word from men. It's not like other books. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which, listen, will also effectively works in all who believe. The, the, at, at the camp, they play games. That's an important part of stuff. At the camp, they eat food. Well, we all love that now, don't we? But it is the word of God used by the Holy Spirit that can transform you inside out. Get the word in you. If you look around here, you'll see there are folks here with, and, and you'll, if you look, they'll, they have, this is what they look like. They have gray hair and they smile a lot. These are nice people. Follow them home. What you, what you will find is next to their bed, they probably have a Bible. And, and then in, in, on their toilet tank, they got a daily bread. I mean, sorry to do that, but that's just true. <laughs> they, they love the Bible. They, they, they know that they want to build their lives on the Bible. This church preaches the Bible every week. We teach the Bible. I can't wait till fall. We have four adult classes and classes for every age. We're, we're working hard on this to have really good Bible instruction, systematic Bible instruction for the little ones, and good, solid, we got, we got good people on it. We got professionals on this. We, we do. 
and to come for our adult uh, Sunday school hour. This is a Bible teaching church. What, what's that about? Because we need our lives changed. We need our lives transformed. We want the fire of our faith to keep burning all of our lives. And we know that the word of God effectively works in us. It's like this. Give us this day our daily bread, which was talking about truth from Jesus. And remember what I've taught you before. Satan has a counterfeit for everything Jesus does. So if Jesus has a daily truth for you by which you have life and vitality, like then Satan has a daily lie so that he can either suck you into hell or if you're already a believer, destroy your life. So one simple way to look at life is Every day, somehow, get God's truth into you. And God, in his providence, in his sovereign work, will usually guide you into the truth that you need for what he knows you're going to face that day. And the old-timers, can I say it that way with respect, the, us old-timers will tell you, isn't it interesting how often you're at that place in the Bible that you needed so much on that day when you faced that challenge or temptation, and the Word of God works effectively in you. So get up a little earlier Spend a little time, listen to the radio, have a Bible. I got a, the coolest Bible app. Um, and so you should get this Bible app. It's called the Dwell Bible app. Um, it, you can get one that's free. Um, it's called Version. That's really good. Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I know there's a speaker. But on his there. delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And it's Why did I do that silliness? So you would remember, get a Bible app. We live in an amazing time. Get up in the morning when you're grooming, turn on your Bible app. This one loops. It's the dwell Bible app. It's really good. It loops. You can, I put on the text and it plays it over and over again. I can put hymns behind it or I can put cello behind it. Or I can put nothing behind it. I can have it read to me in an African voice. Or I can have it read to me in an Anglo voice. That's pretty cool. I switch it around. Girls, boys. Girls read to me. Boys read to me. You can use your Bible. We live in an amazing time with access to the Bible. And I'm just trying to encourage you. You say, Pastor, this is something I already knew. I knew you already knew this. I'm not telling you this because you don't know it. I'm encouraging you to just in, to, re, to refresh that thing that you already know because Satan is trying to kill you. He's trying to mess you over. He's trying to destroy your life. He's trying to tempt you. And you need the word of the living God every day. That's number one. I'm on point number two. Number one, listen to God every day. By the way, you can do this by reading the Bible. There is that general revelation that's for real. You sit on your back porch, you watch the sun come up on the other side of that maple tree, and God tugs on your heart. His, his glory is in the heavens. Yes, God speaks in his creation. God speaks in providence. But God speaks loud and clear in his word every day. Get the Bible open somehow every day. Get the word in you. Number two, talk to God every day. So God talks to you. You listen to God every day. You talk to God every day. Now, let's go back to the 711 text. Do you remember that from a few weeks ago? This is just so rich. I'd like for it to be branded on your soul. 711, the emphasis 
when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This is Matthew 7, 7 through 11. And the emphasis a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this was on the character, the nature of our Father. But I want to show you a little different emphasis, an appropriate emphasis. What is this talking about? What is this passage talking about? It is talking about talking to God. Simple, straightforward, talking to God like you would a father. And listen what Jesus said about talking to God. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who pray, who ask him? You're thinking, wow, that's simple. Yeah, that's how Jesus taught, very simple. He said, so when you worry, pray. When you're tempted, pray. When you're thankful, pray. When you need something, pray. When somebody you love needs something, pray for them. An old camp director that went to the Lord, had a lot on his plate. I asked him one day, what's your secret? He said, I just tell the dear Lord, Uncle Johnny, I just tell the dear Lord. Listen, there's so much in your life that only God can do. And when you need what only God can do, you pray. Is it possible that some of the things you're going through, that difficult is it, God's allowing them so that he can foster a sweet dependence and that you just every day pray. I, we have eight children and I can't count the grandchildren. They're kind of, there's three of our daughters-in-law gonna have babies. I think it's 17 or 18 right now, depending on how you count them, a bunch. A bunch. <laughs> Lois and I don't read books on prayer. We don't have to. We got people we love who really need the Lord. We really need the Lord. And if you got that, you pray if you got any sense. If you want to grow, obviously, you want to be saved. You want to consecrate yourself to God. You want to have a seasonal renewal of that consecration. You want to go to church every week, but you want a daily habits, not duties so much as indulgences, habits of the heart. Because God is good and he's eager to give... And eager to give us good gifts, and we don't have the good sense to ask him. Let me read you a famous quote. It's so worth repeating. It's from C.S. Lewis. He said, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards that are promised us in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy has been offered to us. So like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it's meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. If there's something you need, ask him for it. In asking, he may adjust your desires or he may give you 
what you ask for. Over and over again with our children, when they were growing up, they would pray for something. Like we, one of our boys wanted to live in the country. He wanted to, I said, well, pray. God can do that. And I thought God can, you know, change your desires because that's what's going to happen. We can't afford to live in the country. Guess what? A couple weeks later, we, we were living in the country. The baseball shoes, I told you that before. I said, boys, pray. You can play baseball without shoes. Not well. That's the way I did it. But you can't. And, and then I said, but pray because God will either change your desires or he'll give you baseball shoes. Guess what he did? He gave them baseball. I have pictures. I gave them baseball shoes. Now, you, you know this. And the gray-haired folks with the smile, they know you don't get all your, ans- all your answers because it's like giving a bandsaw to a five-year-old. A good father wouldn't do something like that. I know you want a bandsaw, but maybe later. And so, of course, from Augustine, St. Augustine, he says, let us always desire the happy life from the Lord and always pray for it. But for this very reason, we turn our mind to the task of prayer at appointed hours. Much of the church through history has hours of prayer, hours devoted to prayer and praying the hours, they say. He says, but for this very reason, we turn our mind to the task of prayer at appointed hours. Since that desire grows, since that desire grows lukewarm, so to speak, from our involvement in other concerns and occupations, we remind ourselves through the words of prayer to focus our attention on the object of our desire. Otherwise, the desire that began to grow lukewarm may grow chill altogether and be totally extinguished unless it is repeatedly stirred into flame. And Christians over the centuries know you do that in the very simple thing, you pray. Further from Augustine, why we should pray when he knows that what we need before we ask him may perplex us if we do not realize that our Lord and God does not want to know what we want for he he cannot fail to know it, but rather he wants us to exercise our desires through our prayers so that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us. His gifts are very great indeed, But our capacity is too small, too limited to receive it. The deeper our faith, the stronger our hope, the greater our desire, the larger will be our capacity to receive that gift for it. It's very great indeed. You might find help in the Book of Common Prayer or in John Bailey's book, A Diary of Private Prayer, or in Arthur Bennett's book, The Valley of Vision, a collection of of Puritan prayers, or obviously in the Psalms themselves. But a good idea is to have a time in the morning when you're quiet. I like to see that as an indulgence and not as a duty. I like to think of it as a privilege and not a responsibility. I don't, Lois gets off about five. She calls me on the way home. We have dinner. It's not a duty. It's something that we look forward to every day. I look forward to that call. If she doesn't call on time, I'm like, what's up? I call her. There's a little spot on the drive home where the cell phone coverage is bad. We lose our connection. She gets home. We go to dinner. After that, almost every night, well, this is embarrassing, isn't it? We go to ice cream. It's true. She gets a tweaker. That's a very small ice cream. I'm not telling you what I get. <laughs> we do that because I'm like, well, it's my wife. I suppose I should take her to dinner. Well, she would see through that really fast. She, she, <laughs> your wife would too. God loves it when his children love him, want to be with him, delight in him, want to listen to his voice, want to talk to him, want to tell him their troubles. When my children or my grandchildren are in trouble, I want them to tell me. I'll do what I can to help. 
Your father and we then being evil know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will our heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Are you like I am? You've had the Lord answer many prayers in your life. And then when you come up against a difficulty, you doubt him again. And then he does it again. Maybe that's where you are right now. I would suggest morning is an optimal time to set aside time to meet with the Lord, to read the Bible, and to pray. Psalm 143.8, these are online if you want to cherry pick these off of our BethelJackson.org website. You can look later. All of my sermon notes are on there. Psalm 143.8, let the morning bring me word of your, of your unfailing love, for I've put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. I entrust my life to you. Psalm 143 and verse 8. And his mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3. Psalm 30 and 5. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm spiritualizing ever so slightly. You need to know that. Psalm 92 2. Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, and there he prayed. If Jesus needed to pray early in the morning, you need to pray early in the morning. Get up in the morning. And when you get up, if you get up at noon or whatever, first thing. Some of you are, are night owls. I got no word for you. I don't get people like that. <laughs> She's super productive, working all the time. But, but she works into the night. I get up in the morning and work. I can't work late into the night. I don't think she can work in the morning. When we first got married, I would just stand up to bed and look at her and go, when in the world is she ever going to get out of bed? Like she's going to sleep forever. It wasn't really. But I was like, wow. But you're, you're not out. You got to translate this message. I don't understand you. Okay? Love you. Don't understand you. But there are people who they, they can't actually concentrate at night. Me, I I, I'll just tell you this, in the morning is when I'm really understanding Scripture, meditating on Scripture, getting new insights, feeling that kind of energy. At nighttime, often what I'll do is I'll take one little text of the Scripture and just tumble that same thing like a dryer, just tumble it over and over in my mind. Because I can't really concentrate, but I can meditate on, on the things of the Lord. Psalm 92.2 is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness every evening. Many believe that Isaiah, in a passage in chapter Isaiah 50 and verse 4, which is messianic, many believe that Isaiah teaches that Jesus rose early every morning and had a time of fellowship with his Father. Listen to the text. It's Isaiah 50 and verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. So if you want to grow and keep the fire of your faith going, then you have to have a daily component to your faith, and that is every day listen to God. Read his word every day. Talk to God. Express your heart to him. Express your praise to him. Express your joy to him. Express your needs to him. And then third, every day, talk about God or tell somebody about the Lord. It doesn't have to be a robust, fancy, polemic argument, testimony. It doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be um, a, your, uh, you don't have to gather all kinds of arguments uh, about the faith and, and bedazzle people with the words that you say. Just drop the name of Jesus into your conversation. Lois is a, sorry for all the, I know you hate these um, personal illustrations. It's just how I roll sometimes. She's a 
She has a pastor. Her, her candle company is called the pastor's wife. Candle company. So it's kind of sweet. It, it's, it, people will say they know she's religious. So they'll, they'll ask her a question. Every once in a while I help her. And they'll say, oh, you must be the pastor. And I stood there at the candle booth and prayed with people. Lady wrote me yesterday, just burdened it, that we'd met in Holland a couple years ago. And uh, just a way to get, to get the conversation over toward the Lord. And then people will ask you questions. And then you, you don't have to work on witnessing. They'll just go, why do you believe that? Or, or how come this is true about you? Or, or do you really think that? Or what do you think about this? And now you're witnessing. So it's not that you have to try that hard. But you have to be willing to identify with Jesus openly. Listen to what Jesus said. This is... Jesus repeated this many places, but in Mark 8, 38, it says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. Listen, God is going to return someday in glory with his holy angels. You don't want to be ashamed of him. You want to let people know that you know him. So try to get the gospel into your conversations. We'll train you on this. Tell someone you're a follower of Jesus. Make it a, a daily habit of the heart. Don't be weird about it, but just drop it naturally into conversation. It's great if it's accompanied with a gift or, or good works. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, let's take the Bible and, and let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5. This is the last reference, but this is very powerful and rich and, and will not do it justice in these moments, but, but I want you to see it. In 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21, Paul says that believers have been given a special ministry, and it's called the ministry of reconciliation. It's like we have been given power to, to bring together to reconcile who? People with God. Think about that. People are born in this world enemies of God. And we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Imagine putting somebody together with God and they become a friend of God. So let's just read this. 2 Corinthians 5, 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it's known also to your conscience. We're not committing ourselves to you again but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. If you think I'm crazy, it's because, uh, you know, that's what he's saying. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for who, for their sake died and was raised. For him who for their sake was died and was raised. And from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't look at anyone from a merely human point of view. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message 
of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So, do you see this is rich? And, and, it, and we should go back and we should carefully teach this. But I wanted you to lay eyes on it when you think about this. When we go, when we, coming to church here isn't the end. It's, it's, it's like a little pep rally. Now go, now go. Going to camp isn't like an end in itself. It's like, okay, young people, this is true. Now go into this world with a message of reconciliation. That's why you love people to Christ. You give them the gospel. You have the word on your heart. And what happens when that happens? I'm at camp this week up in Wisconsin, and I take the kids to play paintball, and, and they just have a great time. And then their mom takes them away, and I'm walking next to a man that I noticed when I was preaching and he, he has, his, his resting face was a smile. He just, I, he's sitting over here, and I watched when I was preaching. He, he was older than me, about my age, but looked older. And, and he, had, he had a smile, just had a smile on his face. His resting face was a smile. And as the kids walked away, he, he said something to me about baling hay. And I have a little experience baling hay. So we talked about baling hay, and then that went to the dairy farm, and that went to... He was raised on a farm, and that went to, I had 12 siblings, and then it went to, and everything went well when I was a kid until my brother got shot. And three days later, he died. We're walking through the pine forest, and he says, and then my mom had a mental breakdown and went into an institution. And then my dad started to drink, and he got drunk, and he left the family. He said, he always took me with him everywhere he went, but I'll never forget the day he said I couldn't go with him. And he drove away, and I chased his taillights over the hill. He said, they were going to put me in foster care, but I didn't want to go to foster care. And I discovered that if I worked really hard, farmers would let him eat at their house and couch surf. And so he went from one farmer to another, just working really hard. When he was a little boy, his parents wanted to get him out from underneath the foot. And so a lady would come through. She said she had a good news club. Dad didn't care. Yeah, whatever. Go ahead. He went to the good news club where this minister of reconciliation taught him verses from the Bible. It didn't look like it did any good. When he was a teenager, he'd been through all this difficulty and trial and heartache and sadness, and, and he was a little rough around the edges. And one day he ran into a pastor who took him out to bottom of lunch and said to him, do you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? And he goes, I'm not sure. The pastor says, if I showed you in the Bible how you could be sure, would you be interested in seeing it? He said, yes. And then he said to me, and he had tears in his eyes when he said, he goes, then the pastor used the same verses that I memorized when I was a little boy. And I knew right away that I wanted to follow Jesus. Oh, this is the funny part. Then the pastor's daughter came home from Bob Jones, and the pastor invited me over for pizza, and that's her right there. <laughs> she loves stories like that. That's why we're ministers of reconciliation. That's why we do Awana. That's why we do Sunday school. That's why we go talk to our neighbors. That's why we're missionaries and we fly places. That's why we do the stuff that we do. Because there's nothing in the world more exciting than that. And listen, when you, uh, when you take a, a time every day and when you spend it in the presence of the Lord, there is a lingering presence. Yesterday, you know, you know, we got a, a, a daughter who's a single mom, and she's two little kids, and we love them so much. And they were up in Wisconsin, and I got to take them to camp with me a couple of days. And we just took them one thing after another so they could have fun. 
They rode this and they biked there and they rode the kayaks and they shot the paintballs and they came to chapel and they sang songs about Jesus. And then they had to go. And then I came back through town on Saturday morning. I said, I'm going to come back through town and I want you to get up early. I want to buy you breakfast. They said, okay. So they all got up early and I took them to breakfast. They're so precious. And I talked with them and then I had to leave. And when I left, it was like, ah. Heidi called when, when they left the camp, and she said about five minutes after they left, Cohen, my little grandson, said, I really miss Grandpa already. You have that feeling? Right now, I miss them so bad. I had breakfast with them early in the morning, and then that time with them just lingered all day long. I just kept thinking about them, and they're just regular people. But the God of the universe would like to meet with you every morning. He'd like to love you. He'd like you to love him. He'd give us the means to do that. So if you want to keep the fire of your faith going, make sure you're saved. Consecrate yourself to God. When your batteries die, charge them up. Come to church every week, every day. Read your Bible, pray, talk to somebody about Jesus. Mark Havis, though, come up here, would you please? Mark is one of our elders. I always like to say he was also the chairman of the pulpit committee when I came here, so... The special place in my heart. And Mark loves the Lord, walks the Lord. We're going to ask him to dismiss you with a blessing, a benediction today. Mark, bless you.